Well, I actually think a lot of your listeners can relate with this, and which is that I actually became an entrepreneur in the pursuit of freedom. Uh-huh. I wanted to mm-hmm. be able to go wherever I wanted to pursue whichever creative um, pursuits that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And, and in my story, in my arc, it's actually a little tragic because when I got out of uh, college, I started my first venture and my second venture and going through all these things. And in my pursuit of freedom, and I'm a cautionary tale, I actually made myself a slave. Hello and welcome to the Thriving Book Podcast. I'm Louise Wiles, your host for these conversations where we share stories, strategies and tips to help internationally mobile people build thriving lives abroad. And welcome to episode 75. I'm so excited to welcome to this conversation Grant Aldridge, founder of OnlineDegree.com, a very successful company in the States with a purpose-driven mission to make college more accessible and affordable for everyone. Grant shares his story and insights and lessons learned as he built this, his third successful entrepreneurial venture. As a business owner, I found his advice hugely insightful. And as I listened, I realized that there is perhaps some truth in what people say about expats being ideally suited through life experience to the entrepreneurial life and vice versa. And I've drawn from our conversation nine lessons that work well for both the entrepreneur and anyone embarking on a new international adventure. Listen and see whether you can guess which nine lessons they are. And I created a download summarising these nine lessons and you can access it by signing up for the Thriving Abroad newsletter. You'll receive it as a thank you for subscribing. So to register for the newsletter and access the blog post, that accompanies this episode, go to thrivingabroad.com and look for episode 75. You'll also find the transcript there to download or read online. Enjoy the conversation. So Grant, hello, welcome to the Thriving Broad Conversation. It's great to have you joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, it's really lovely that you're joining us. And um, great that you're sitting in the US. Actually, I forgot to ask you where you are in the US. Where I'm currently in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Okay, so your morning, my afternoon. Um, <laughs> as I was just saying before we started, I've just pulled blinds on the day at four thirty in the UK, which just seems tragic to me. But, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. November in the UK, the worst month in my view <laughs> to live in the well, UK. So if anyone, go on, go on. <laughs> oh, it's not too great here either. Uh, yeah, I think I think oh, November okay. fairly everywhere is not great, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think if um, you're moving to the UK, just don't in November. Although having said that, I was talking to some people the other day who are, so <laughs> and in the middle of a pandemic as well. So <laughs> right. they're going to need all the, the luck they can find, I think. So anyway, lovely to have you joining us today, Grant. Now, Grant, you have a business called Online Degree, and we're going to talk about that in more detail a bit later on in the conversation. But I understand it's your third business. Um, and I'm really interested to understand what attracted you to the entrepreneurial lifestyle. Um, and in particular, what was your sort of inspiration behind online degree? Because it's quite a different concept. Um, yeah. And I'm just really interested in how how people yeah develop these 
different concepts and ideas you know from that first thought to what it is currently today well i actually think a lot of your listeners can relate with this and which is that i actually became an entrepreneur in the pursuit of freedom uh-huh. i wanted to mm-hmm. be able to go wherever i wanted to pursue whichever creative um, pursuits that i was interested in mm-hmm. and that ultimately was, and you know, when I, from my um, upbringing, my parents were teachers. And so right. when I saw them, I saw that they, they did live a nice lifestyle. It was very, they, we were never going to be wealthy, but it was a very safe and stable, but very constricted lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I didn't really have that many entrepreneurs around me. Uh, I had one mentor uh, later, but um but it was, it was the pursuit of freedom. And in my story, in my arc, it's actually a little tragic because when I got out of uh, college, I started my first venture and my second venture and went through all these things. And in my pursuit of freedom, and I'm a cautionary tale, I actually made myself a slave. And I'll explain what that is because in my philosophy was that I needed, like I looked at freedom as a, something you have to obtain something at the end of a tunnel where you work and work and work and you, and you try to grind out and that at one day you hope to obtain this freedom. Mm -hmm. And of course Mm -hmm. that's silly and that's wrong. And I think probably your listeners are far more uh, astute than I am and wise. And they probably understand, which is the truth is that you have to live that lifestyle every single day. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so now when I created online degree, um, part of the rationale was that it had to fit my lifestyle, which was, being a father every day, being able to, um, you know, enjoy all of the things on a daily basis and not create a structure, like a, not create a business that mm. would make me a slave. And I can get into that more because I have a lot of lessons on things that can, you know, you don't even realize it, but you wake up and you've got a shackle around your ankle. Yeah. 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 Well, let's definitely get onto that in, in a little bit. Um, but I, it's really interesting, isn't it? This whole concept that we, I think, grow up with around work ethic and the picture you just painted of becoming, obtaining freedom, freedom being that pot of gold at the end. And I often think when people talk about retirement, that's, that, that's a similar thing. The retirement is that goal is, you know, and we live through life until we reach that goal. Um, and, and so I, I totally relate to that. I think a lot of people are living abroad. Yeah, I, they, some will get this. But it's also the, the reverse, which is what I come across with a lot of, for example, expat partners that I work with. So people who've relocated with their employed partner and they leave a career behind often. Yeah, you know, They feel they've left behind a part of their identity, which was the work part. And perhaps mm. they gain some freedom, but then that freedom seems like this open space that they really desperately need to fill. So, you know, it works different ways doesn't it but I totally um see and I think it's a great cautionary tale so people listening to this podcast many of them will be either thinking of starting a business or will have created one and be working on it or in it whichever way they look at it at the moment so um I think that's a really important message for them whichever way place they are in, in terms of developing the business um but if they're considering setting up a business, so from your experience, what what would be your top three pieces of, of advice about, you know, as they set up and start to create their business? 
yeah, I really reflected on this to help people to figure out to, because at the end of the day, right, we all want happiness. And that's not always an easy thing. We, we, we equate success with happiness, but those are rarely um, correlated. And I mean, financial success. And so when I, I've been, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. And so, yeah, I think that the first thing is that anyone who's looking to start a business needs to ask themselves a, a 3000 year old maxim from ancient Greece, which is know thyself. That's the first thing, because I think that rarely do people really understand themselves and choose a business that is conducive with their personality, not only their strengths or their experience, but their personality and their happiness. I, you know, one of, as being an entrepreneur, I, you know, I do, um, part of the fun is the exercise of coming up with ideas and talking with other entrepreneurs about ideas. And with all, you know, I do this every day, 10 times a day. Almost never do I hear someone ask the question, is this the right business for me personally? You know, you always hear the normal considerations like the business plan, the, the financial model. They don't ask themselves that. And so I'll get into that a little bit more. And the, the second thing I would say, um, say is that I think that people have to do something that they care about, not necessarily their end all be all passion, but something they care about. And finally, um, that you have to stay as lean as possible to get there, which I also think is conducive to living abroad. Um, so kind of back to that first point about know thyself. Again, a way I would illustrate this to someone is that if you are a board shorts beach type of person, you shouldn't choose a business that requires you to get in a suit every day and go uh, be a salesperson door to door. And you would be surprised at how often people make that critical mistake. And, and, you know, it comes from a good place. They say to themselves, look, here's the, this is the business. It's very attractive financially. And I can suffer through it for a few years to make it successful because I, I, I am that driven and I'll suck it up and I'll just do it, whatever it takes. But the fallacy in that is that businesses always take longer than you think they will to succeed. And ultimately at the end of the day, a business will succeed or fail based on the founder's happiness and energy. And if you are doing that every day and you're hating life, eventually it's going to fail. And so I really think that people need to ask themselves that question. And I'll, I'll give you on a personal example. I realized that for me personally, I'm a terrible manager. Really, like I've, I've had companies with employees and I'm just not good at it. I don't enjoy it. So my, my role job or my, my part of creating online degree was to remove the office, remove the, 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 the need to be a manager. And it has, it has made a big impact on me personally. So anyway, I hope that gives a, a good example. And so the second piece, which kind of is tied to this is do what you love. And, you know, I would argue that there's a lot of people that, you know, like you, like to your point earlier, you know, do you have to have, do you have to follow your purpose? And I would argue, no, I would just argue you have to, you have to like it. Like, you know, for example, if, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm not a very, I'm not really big on interior design. If I create a business on that and I don't enjoy it, if I don't you know, even care about it, well then I'm, as time goes again, after this business is going on three, four, five years, well, I'm not going to be excited every day to come in. And more importantly, I would argue, 
you're not going to understand the customer. So for example, if I'm a pet owner and I want to create a business in pets, at least I understand that customer Mm -hmm. and I can relate with them and it'll make me, it'll, it'll um, have me create better decisions. So I think that that's another key thing too, is you have to do something you really care about. Mm -hmm. Um, And finally, and I think this is actually again, inherent to people who are living abroad is you have to stay very lean. I think that even with myself, after my third rodeo here, I always, always um, misjudge how long it's going to take to get the plane off the ground and Mm -hmm. to begin making money. And the thing that I always see that buries people initially is they run out of funds. Mm. And so by, by being relentlessly lean, it does help you extend that runway. Okay, brilliant. Yes, I can relate to that. Fine, that's a point most definitely. (laughs) And yeah. Yeah, it takes longer. It always takes longer. I think unless you get really lucky, I think there are some people who get really lucky, you know, create that partnership or whatever that you know, helps and moves things forward more quickly than they perhaps imagined. But on the whole, when I think about, particularly when I think about expat businesses I know, they've taken you know, some time to get established and to grow. Um, so I totally agree with that. Just going back to your um, know thyself, um, I don't know whether you come across a book by Benjamin Hardy called Personality Isn't Permanent. I haven't, no. No, okay. And he, he's, he's a business, he has a business, and, and he, he talks about the importance of starting with this vision of, of what you wanting to create for yourself, who you want to be as a person, and saying, that, okay, personality at the point that you're thinking about it is relevant, your likes, your dislikes, your strengths, and all of those things are really important. But then having a vision about, who you want to be in 10 years time mm. um, then helps you to set your goals. So I suppose that perhaps is the similar thing because if you're thinking about, for example, well, who I want to be is someone who has had a certain amount of personal freedom. And that's, that then defines a goal for you, doesn't it? That you're moving towards. So perhaps it's about values as well. I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that one into the conversation. Yeah. And, and yeah, because it was something that you quite know- excited me this idea that you can design your future by thinking about who you want to be um, in the future. Exactly. You know, you know what I really like about that is that mm. it, it does, it's, it's, it's a very clever strategy to get people in the right mindset to think about it. Mm. Because you're right. Mm. If I ask someone, I say, look, you have to know yourself. Someone's going to say, well, don't I already know myself? And, mm. and I would argue, no, probably not. And mm. it, you, and of course you're, you're left thinking, where do I start? What, how do I start to get to know myself? But I think that that's a very clever exercise in that it, it forces you to think about your dream scenario. And if you think about your dream, then you, it's, it's, it is easy to cut out certain things that don't fit that. I, I like mm. that strategy. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah, no, so do I. And I think it, it's a hopeful strategy, isn't it? Because I think so often as well, when you're starting a business or starting a new career, you're often influenced by others' perceptions of yourself. So it helps you mm-hmm. to overcome those, which often, you know, people will say, oh, well, really, should you be doing that? And are you taking a risk that you shouldn't be taking? And all those kind of things that people say to be helpful, but often isn't, you know. And and by having that stronger vision for yourself about what you're wanting to create, that helps you to perhaps um, override some of those more negative <laughs> um, yeah. comments. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I agree. That makes you- sense to me. Well, you know, the one thing, the only caveat I would add to that is that after someone goes through that exercise of, you know, hey, this is what I want to do, or this is the who I want to be as a person and the life I want to be living in 10 years, I would say, okay, after you come up with that, but now you got to do it tomorrow. 
<laughs> like you've now the, 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 the don't be don't be grant and that foolishness of that light at the end of the tunnel now you've just given yourself the playbook why don't you do it tomorrow <laughs> yeah yeah no no important point and actually linked to that then what's your view on the kind of size of your vision because he talks about don't two times your idea 10 times it what's your view on that yeah i do agree with that i think that from yeah. one from the perspective of beginning a startup you have to think you have to think big because mm -hmm. you're going to commit at minimum four years of your life on a startup. In the best case, let's say you, you sell it at the end, no matter what, but likely longer. And do you really wanna spend all that time working on a really small industry where the upside is so small or on something very large where the upside is so large? Because it's the same amount of time you're gonna be spending. Mm -hmm. um, so if that from a financial perspective, and then of course, from a personal fulfillment perspective, it, it's, it is far more fulfilling that you're able to tackle a really large problem and mm -hmm. it impacts so many more people. And I would argue it's even easier because then, you know, if I have, if I'm selling something or I'm trying to provide help to people that is applicable to every human being on the earth, well, that makes it a lot easier for me to be impactful because it, I can, you know, I don't have to try to reach a very specific kind of niche person. So I would agree with right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that actually kind of links into my next question, which is the importance of having real clarity around a mission and a purpose when you're establishing a business. Um, you know, some people will say, you, you were talking about interest. Other people will say, well, you need to have a real sense of purpose around what you're doing. Um, some people will even say you need a purpose in life and your business is structured around that. What are your views on, on, all, on that, on that? Yeah. So I think that there are some real cons and problems that people face with being an entrepreneur and having a mission focused startup solves many of those problems. And I'll give you some examples. So one thing that is we already touched on, which is that your drive and your ability to stay interested. And if you have a strong mission of why you're doing something and what you want to achieve, it definitely helps in keeping you interested and driven to do it. But one of the other challenging things about creating a startup or a new company is that normally it requires that many people rally around you in the startup, right? That the press likes what you're doing. The, mm -hmm. the partners in the industry like what you're doing. Employees and people want, are, are, want to come work for you. And a mission, a strong mission statement is like flying a flag that helps rally everyone around you and bring you. So uh, in my case with onlinedegree.com, my industry, I'm, I'm in higher education. And the concept for the listeners, just so they get it, is that, you know, we are making, my mission is making college more affordable and accessible for everybody. So I came into higher education knowing nobody. I mean, late career, I was 35 coming into an industry that I, had, I, know, I knew no one. Um, and I was able to quickly get part university partners, um, people who want to work with the organization almost inexplicably. Um, so, and people ask, well, what is it? Wow. You must be really good at this. I said, no, you know what? I'm not. And it's, it's really all because I tapped into a mission statement that people genuinely cared about in the industry. So when I would write an email to someone cold and I just would tell them what I wanted to do, they wanted to help. They wanted to be part of it because I tapped into a mission 
again, they genuinely cared about. And so I think the challenge there for people is that one is that you do have to create something that is truly of interest to people and isn't mm. currently being done well. Mm. Um, but no, I think it's great. Now I'll give you one other example of this, by the way. So in Silicon Valley, one of the things that everybody talks about for employee motivation is, you know, that one of the tactics is, oh, we give them, you know, snacks all day. You know, you come in the mm. office, there's all kinds of food. To me, that is so condescending. <laughs> like for me as an employee, you want to motivate me by giving me snacks? Like, I mean, that, it's <laughs> absurd. To me, the, the way that you really um, get good employees and you get the most of them is giving them purpose on what they're working on. And so if someone, if you want an employee to work long hours and to give everything they got, snacks is never going to achieve that. But if they believe in the purpose and they believe in your mission, because again, that flag is a rallying cry. Hey, everybody who wants to be part of this, they are going to give you 110% all the time. And so I'm a huge believer of the mission focused business. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And um, it makes me think of a lot of the engagement work, you know, that companies have done in the past. And a lot of it has been sort of tactical ways of engaging you know, in the, in the moment, so snacks such as that, rather than, you know, really thinking about why you're sitting there doing what you're doing. And I think perhaps, you know, the pandemic and people working from home has perhaps put a focus on that need to be, have more clarity around purpose yeah. and mission, because somehow you've got to gel everyone together, haven't you? And you can't do it in the office. So there's got to be a, yeah, something that's perhaps not so much seen. <laughs> well, that's actually true too. I, you, you know, you brought up a good point that I don't think everybody ever has brought brought up regarding that, which is very interesting. That you're right; it's even more important in a virtual business mm-hmm. as opposed to because you're right. If if you have an office, even if you just show up every day, I mean, there you know, there, there's at least the community aspect, and people are together, and that probably moves you forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just the peer just the proximity to your peers, but you're right in a virtual business where mm. you're alone most of the time, mm. it's, it's, it's crucial. Yeah. 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 No, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, and I suppose that's me working on my own. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I have to motivate myself. No one else is going to do me for, do that for me. Um, right. So um, I read somewhere, I can't remember where it was, that it took around two years for you to get this current business of off the ground and um and it was quite an innovative concept and idea um and I'm I'm really interested to talk a little bit about sort of being creative in business and innovating and taking things forward I don't know whether you know of Whitney Johnson and she has a book called Disrupt Yourself and it's about jumping from career to business or career to career and and what she says is you need to you know it's not about competition I mean obviously in the end things are about competition but the way you cope with that is through creativity and you know moving I think things forward and so I use that as a concept when I'm thinking about what I'm doing I'm always thinking well how can this be different how can I take it forward one step more and I wonder what you think about that in and how that how big a part of that's played in your business development and to get getting you to where you are now and what part that will play as you develop further in the future, your business. Yeah, I, I, you know, I can tell our story. And I think there was some things that we did that turned out to be fairly innovative. Um, but, you know, it all comes back to that mission statement. And I think that what's mm-hmm. nice about a mission statement is that it speaks, you know, instead of just coming up with a business idea, you're coming up with something that speaks to someone personally. 
you know, making education affordable, making it accessible. Well, I'm speaking to people who have that need. And when you think of it from that paradigm, you create a solution that truly solves it for that person, hopefully. And in our case, when I looked at part of the problem in the United States with higher education, it was that, you know, just, and for, for many of your visitors who may not know this, in, in higher education, the US is a $700 billion industry. It's massive. <laughs> and, but the, um, but it's on the decline. And because working adults who are the new constituent of education, not the 18 year old, are not taking that first step to go back to school. And I looked at that and this was before COVID, it was estimated about 40 million. And so now that number's ballooned, of course. And I looked at the problem and I said, of course, adults don't wanna go back. I mean, the process to go back to school is awful. I mean, one, as adults, we're, we're very busy and we have our lives, we've got our kids, we're, we're set in our ways. And so for me to go to school, drive to school three times a week, is never going to work. I have to be able to do it online. The second thing for adults is that we have a lot of fear going back into a classroom and going and um, will we be successful in a classroom? So all these things that bring up a lot of anxiety and what do you do? You just don't do anything if you have anxiety, it just stays on your mind. And finally cost, right? We, we, we can't amortize the cost of an education when we're in our thirties or forties, like you can, when you're twenties, if you're in your twenties, you're doughy eyed and you say, Oh, this is going to cost $50,000. That's okay. That's down the road. It doesn't matter. But as adults, we know better. <laughs> so uh, I knew that you had to cater to all of those anxieties and those impediments. And so part of it was that when I came to this, I realized our platform has to be free. And I said, because only if it's free, can you get someone, can you hold an adult's hand and say, Hey, don't jump in the pool. Let's wade in come try it out. Come start taking courses and learning again. Prove to yourself that you've got the time management. Prove to yourself that you can be successful in an online format. And then you will have the confidence, which everybody can, to do it. And so by making it free, of course, that created the conundrum in that, well, if, you, if it's free, uh, you know, the tuition model is ubiquitous. How do you make money? And I think that's one of the biggest innovating, uh, innovations that we brought was that, you know, in that, how do you make it free? And the way that we figured it out was through um, sponsored by the universities themselves. So it's free for the student, but it's sponsored by the universities because what, what people don't realize is the universities get an immense benefit from our platform as well. So for example, it, the, the value to the student is probably obvious, right? Students come on, they can, um, I don't know if I actually mentioned this, but a student can come on and take as many college level courses as they want and then receive credit towards their degree for free, getting there faster and more affordably. It's like a modern alternative to community college. Mm -hmm. Well, but the universities get an immense benefit as well because universities are desperate for good students. And by good, I mean students who will finish their program, who come more prepared and don't need a lot of immersion uh, programs. So the universities love it as well, because inherently as someone goes through that program, they don't realize it, they're becoming a better student. Mm -hmm. So perfect. everybody wins. And so I tried to create a platform where everybody would win and would change the current paradigm. And I didn't know what it was going to be initially, but it just worked out that way. <laughs> That's really clever. And actually must have been when I was looking at your platform, I was wondering when... <laughs> Where the business side where of the it money came from, from. Yeah. where the money came from. There, you've got you've explained that to me, so that's good. Um, so, one thing I'm thinking about when it comes to you know changing the tax slightly, you know, 
setting up running a business and, and and developing it evolving it getting it to the point where you've got it to I mean there must have been some high, been some highs and lows and I think um that certainly for me has been the t- is the toughest thing to cope with you know the setbacks the knockbacks having the mindset to keep going can you talk to that a bit you know have you had those times and how have you pushed through and what would you be your advice to people listening yeah, mostly lows, right, Louise? I mean, this is this is a this is a hard path. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, and you know what's funny? I don't think most people realize that when they decide to become an entrepreneur, is just how you're 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 usually overwhelmed by bad news and setback, and it's just it's just these big valleys. Then you get a peak that keeps you going, and then big valleys, right? And you just hope that trajectory goes up uh, slowly, gradually. You know, that's very true. And, you know, it's, you know, what's interesting is that for me, this is my, you know, third, again, third startup. And um, I'm something that people need to understand is that, yeah, there are very, it's very lonely. And there's a lot of lows being an entrepreneur because there's no playbook, right? It's not like a sports game where I know, okay, I gotta, I gotta, you know, go on a field and focus on these fundamentals and train and I'll do better. In the business world, there is no playbook. It's infinite. And so you're constantly being, you're, you're constantly tackling with what should I do next? And how do I make it grow? And everything, all the odds are against you. It's very challenging. <laughs> but at the same time, it's exhilarating because of that. And when you do get some success and when you do start to get it right, it is exhilarating and addicting. And I think all of us mm-hmm. can probably relate with that side. Um, so, you know, one of the things that... Um, uh, you know, one of the, the the approaches that I've taken for this is that when I started OnlineDegree.com, I wrote myself a letter, and I have that letter hung up on my wall in my office. And the letter is to myself. So I wrote it at the peak of optimism before we launched, and I wrote the letter to myself, knowing that there was going to be tough times ahead, and to mm-hmm. to, to 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 provide myself solace because. Ultimately, when there's tough times, you begin to second guess yourself and you begin to do all these things that doubt your decisions and doubt your abilities. And when you go back and I read it and I know that I know that I'm going to feel that it helped. And so I look up at that letter every day because it, it, that letter one tells me about, you know, reminds me of where I started and also of what I want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of having that vision there in front of you to look at when the going gets tough I love your comment that there's no playbook because I think possibly that is the problem for many business people in that they're looking for the playbook and so we buy I'm talking about myself here course after course and system after system in the hope that if we apply those we're going to actually succeed when actually perhaps what we should be being is curious about our own endeavor and and trying to work it out. I mean, obviously there's things you can learn from other people, but um, yeah, I'm just thinking about that kind of, in, in our minds, we have a linear, we feel that we need to be going in a linear direction. It's step after step, but actually business often isn't that, is it? It evolves and it morphs and changes and um, and and things happen probably when you least expect them to happen for some <laughs> yeah. very strange reason. <laughs> Totally. And coming from the complete different direction from the one you were imagining it would come from, but for some reason it does work. So, yeah, 
I don't know. Does, does that make sense to you, or is that total nonsense? No, <laughs> no that's absolutely. That you of follow. course. Yeah. I mean, as you're saying this, if I was gonna, if I was, <laughs> if I, if someone asks me about my entrepreneurial career, I'll say it's just a series of heartbreaking failures and not making it until, but the times that it did make it and worked outweighed all of the rest. But it's yeah. you know, it's just a, it's just a you you're constantly tripping over yourself. It's constantly not doing it right. And you know, yeah, you to your point, we look a lot of times to people out, um, on the outside who we perceive are doing it correctly. But the reality mm-hmm. is, is that they're not always doing it correctly either. And they had the same experience that we did. So I think that's one neat thing when entrepreneurs meet with one another and that there's like an instant kinship um, mm-hmm. because we all know how hard it is and mm-hmm. how dynamic it is and how it's, mm-hmm. it, it's te- how it tests you in, comprehensively in your personality and all kinds of ways. And so when you see someone doing it well, like for example, with your, you know, with your business and show, I can already immediately relate of how yeah. incredible of a job you're doing because you, I know how much adversity you face. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, I think that's very true. I think people listening will get that because I think there's the same thing with people who live abroad expats. Once they get together, they all understand and get those challenges as well. You know, leaving home and moving abroad and starting again, you know, there's a whole set of challenges around that as well. Um, So I know you said that you've developed your business so that you can work remotely. Um, So have you got some tips to share about how you've created it in that way and what you've done to enable it to operate in that way so that you could in theory get up and move continents and still continue to do what you're what you're doing yeah many of the things that were uh, i would say necessities for me would i definitely would relate with someone who is living abroad or an expat because one of the now again i asked myself the know myself know thyself question and one of the things that was important for me was that I decided that I wanted to do this my way in the structure of the business. And one of those structures was that I want to be able to live anywhere and I don't want an office. I want to be completely virtual because I believe I, I can get into why I think there's that you do much better work virtually. I mean, I love the virtual organization. Um, my wife is also Israeli. And so that I knew that for many, you know, before COVID that uh, for many months of the year, we're going to be in Israel and that, um, I would have to be able to run the business from there. So halfway, half, halfway around the globe. And so part of what I, my approach for that was to put things and I would also challenge that, you know, people to think about is to, again, remove any of the, the chains, the shackles that would prevent you from doing that and be relentless because becoming a slave, like in my prior career, didn't happen all at once. It was one little step at a time. One little decision at a time got me there. Oh, we have to have an office. Oh, well, that one to me is the biggest shackle. And then, oh, we need more employees. Ah, oh, another shackle. You know, these things make it so you can never leave. You can never live the lifestyle you want. And it wasn't the people. I, I loved everybody I worked with and I love them today. It was the structure of it that failed. So I would say that when people are making a business, they have to have that clear vision, kind of like what you talked about the book and be, and again, be unwavering on every decision that you think could impede on that. Okay. Yeah. And I think I can, I can relate to that as well because 
I mean, having started my business living abroad, but then moving back to the UK, I can at times feel this sense of being drawn to, oh, should I have an office? Should I have? So you've just taught me out of that. So that's just great. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> I'm really happy but, with that. And by the way, even even myself, right? And I think that I've, I've, I've really kind of nailed this part down in my life, right? At least one thing in terms of my philosophy, I still mess up. I still kind of catch myself on my, even with a very, you know, a, with this, you know, um, determined philosophy not to to um, impede on that, I still will find myself making a decision and thinking, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" <laughs> so it's not easy. And even yeah, if you yeah. know where you're going, so yeah, yes, yeah. you're. You, I think you were right about that office. I think no, no office. <laughs> no office. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really that, that's really helpful advice. So for people who are listening who are, yeah, thinking about this, creating this portable business, which many are, if they're expats, then. You know, that talks, it speaks totally to working also in the virtual environment where they you know, that can, can move with them. So very, very important. Um, right, so entrepreneurship, I think, um, is an experience that's all about lifelong learning, for sure. Everything you do every day is a lesson, I think, and um, you learn from it, hopefully, if you're reflecting on what you're doing and, and thinking about it carefully. And I'm a strong believer in lifelong learning. And I have continued to study um, throughout my life. But I know many people do and don't. And many people think of it as a stage in life, you know, that stage of education that I do when I'm a 18 to 25 year old. And then I move on and do life um, and education is gone. And um, so how do you react to that? I mean, you've kind of given a bit, bit of a hint because you've talked about you know, how you um, you work. But, you know, do you believe that we should all be thinking about education and 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 interested in lifelong learning um, or not. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll first say it from a, um, like a marketability standpoint. I think that with the modernization of every aspect of our economy and our lives, it requires, it necessitates that someone is constantly learning. Um, so I'm, I'm almost 40, uh, I'm about to turn 40. And so my generation is very interesting because I kind of straddled the technology boom with the internet, right? On one side, you know, with what I saw was parents and family who were in the same job for 50 years. And then I got to be part of the wave where now everything's changing rapidly and at an increased pace and will never, you know, no, someone will never work for the same company for 50 years. And I think that that gives me a unique perspective because it is, again, impossible that you would learn something today and that could apply for many years within your career. Things change too quickly. I mean, look, we're using Zoom right now. Zoom didn't even exist a few years ago <laughs> and it's now the ubiquitous platform for communication. I mean, it's incredible. So because of that, if someone believes that they only are going to learn one time, that's a, I think that's a fallacy. You have to always be learning. From a personal standpoint, I get an immense amount of satisfaction by being curious and learning. And so for me personally, this does dovetail very well into that aside from the necessity from work. But no, I think that the paradigm is completely shifted and that people need to remove, like you said, the, the mindset of going to school, that's it, I'm done with education and need to get into the instead of currently of, of learning constantly. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that I, I think, you know, I don't know about in the US, but in the UK, we need a really big think about in terms of, you know, how that kind of mindset is instilled into our, our the kids at school now, because they still see it as education and what they've got to do. 
<laughs> and yeah. rather than you know building that real interest and passion in learning um so big challenge for everyone there i think agreed yeah yeah right well thank you so much i mean i think we've covered a lot of ground there and um subconscious of time so probably should draw the conversation to an end is there anything i've missed that you were wanting to share um, no, this was a really excellent, this, no. no, excellent. This is a really excellent conversation. And, and you know, too, I, I, I mean, really, I, I love the fact that what you do and what your listeners and followers are really living the dream in the fact that, you know, so I actually look at living abroad and being an expat puts you three steps in the right direction already to creating something successful for yourself. Because again, you, you already have these things that necessitate building around you a business that is creates freedom, right? Because you don't, you, you can't really, you, you can't have something where you're um, uh, you can't make bad decisions in a way that could possibly hurt you. Right. Um, you know, you have to be able to work off your laptop somewhere and be that kind of flexible and dynamic and make something that appeals to a broad audience. You may not be next to. I love it. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, really, this is, this is one of the things that I want to do more, um, you know, once it's safe to travel again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'd all love to get back to that. I'm quite sure. Yeah. Right. So if people want to learn more about you and online degree, they go to online degree.com, I guess is the start place. Yeah. What else? What else? Can yeah. So online degree.com, we've got a really new cool thing that we're launching. So we, we start on the degree side, but now certifications, career certifications is a oh. really big thing. Oh. So if you go to online degree.com slash certifications, it's our, it's a whole new approach to help people who want more actionable skills and to be, you know, who want a better career, but don't necessarily have the time or the wherewithal to do a degree. You know, I've got Mm -hmm. six months to turn something around and make my, maybe like make my life better, but not, you know, multiple years. So that's the the kind of interesting news. And other than that, you know, if, you know, it'd be great to people to follow the project and uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. And so if people want to follow me on LinkedIn, you can just search Grant Aldrich and I'm the only one. Um, That'd be great. Brilliant. Great. Well, I'll put links to the website and also to your profile on LinkedIn on the show notes that accompany this podcast. So people know where to go um, to access that thrivingabroad.com and look for this episode with Grant. Um, Very but cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your experience, your insights and your time today. Louise, thank you so much for having me. Really, I really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for listening today. Remember to access the blog post and transcript, go to Thriving Abroad and look for episode 75. And please do get in touch if there is any way in which I can support you. You can email me directly, louise at louisewiles.com. Also, do subscribe to my regular podcast newsletter so I can keep you up to date with all the future podcast and thriving abroad news and also send you that summary of the nine lessons from this episode. Thank you once again to Grant for joining me today. Go and check out Online Degree at onlinedegree.com. I'll be back soon with the next episode in the Thriving Abroad podcast series. Meanwhile, Take care and stay well wherever you are in the world. Bye-bye for now.